1: Native Community Capital is your trusted partner for home loans or financing your business. Visit us at nativecap.org or call us at
2: 855-628-2272. Let's work together to rebuild tribal economies. Nurturing Indigenous Intelligence is a grassroots organization based on the Hill Reservation. They work to alleviate the hardships in the community through acts of giving, from distributing school supplies, volunteering at various places, and working to expand their services. Follow them on Instagram at Nurturing I Squared and on Facebook at NI Squared Team to find out more.
1: Yeah. You are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World Podcast. I am your host, the five star five diamond
2: chef J-Man, and with me is Carl. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another fantastic episode of Carl and J-Man Save the World Podcast. Uh, we're actually doing the the zoom again, but we're we want to be back in the studio, but um we do have, uh, you know, we, we, technology kind of gets away from us and uh, J-Man and technology don't agree with each other. So we're, we're doing this the best that we can.
1: And Carl is live on location. Today is a special episode. We do have a special guest today, a very special lady. And uh, Carl better watch his mouth on this episode because I don't think he wants to cry in front of this special guest, because uh, that that is a possibility that will happen, and so we're very happy for this guest to be here and uh you know it's, it's kind of funny, Carl, because uh I, I got some comments over the weekend about the podcast, and uh, somebody uh-huh. made the comment that we spend too much time thinking and congratulating people, and that we should jump right into the the gist of the topic
2: Well, I don't do that you do, you're the one who does that so.
1: <laughs> and 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 so Carl, I uh, for we'll we'll try it this time. We'll try it this time. We'll okay. we'll jump right into it, and you know right. we'll we'll I- ignore all the other things that we like to BS about. But uh, so Carl, if you can keep your long winded stories that only you find interesting, while the rest of the world <laughs> finds them finds pointless very very and interesting. boring, if you could keep, they, they, if you could subside those for today, then. Uh, myself and the rest of the world would appreciate that
2: <laughs> you know people love my stories they they love to get lost in there and they love to uh to reminisce about the old days and they love to uh just think about life in general so i'm pretty sure that my stories are relevant
1: i think that people Love to get lost in those stories as much as they love to get lost in a town that they're unfamiliar with, and (laughs) they'd rather not that happen. But today's a a kind of a, I guess, a throwback episode because we're going to be talking about food again, particularly Hopi Nova, and uh, for our longtime listeners. You know that we've talked about this before in our very first season episode titled The Lost Foods and where Carl and I kind of talked about some of the different reservation cuisines and we talked about the traditional foods that we really liked. And the reason why we're going back and talking about this again is that because we're, we're two guys, two Hopi guys talking about food that is customarily made by women. And so we wanted to get a, a woman's perspective on this idea of hopi food on traditional food, the process and the lessons that go behind going into that. And so we talked about the various foods that we enjoy as as Hopi people. And it, it's funny because I think that, you know, in, in contemporary times. That I guess an argument could be made that even though you know certain foods that were probably introduced to us within the last I don't know 50 years, but because they're so common on Hopi kitchen tables these day and ages, I don't know if they're really considered traditional food, but I guess they're considered traditional reservation food. And one of those foods that we talked about was fry
2: bread the last time. Oh yeah, yeah, we did. We we talked a, a lot about the. Um, like Hopi foods and yeah fry bread was one but it's it's not a real Hopi traditional food and we we you know kind of, both of us are guys and we we like uh nokuvi and then haju. and you know there's a bikami somiviki piki and those are traditional Hopi foods but we never really uh you know talked about that so we do have a special guest in house and we do have a special guest um, that will kind of share her experiences with Hopi food. And she does live on the reservation and she loves um, to cook um, traditional Hopi foods. I, I said
1: that already, Carl. So I, I guess I said that goes it better to show how much attention that you pay <laughs> to uh, your your co-hosts, and I guess really that would really explain a whole lot about the course of our journey as podcasters <laughs> and uh, some of the redundancies that you've introduced <laughs> to the podcast. But
2: you know, like, I I said Help. it. I said it all. I said it a lot better. So I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, but I guess as, as far as fry bread goes and, and really a lot of these other foods that are kind of what we consider red staples this day and age, things like spam, uh, things like one of your favorites that we, you talked at links in the last episode, commodity cheese. But really, yeah. you know, I yeah. guess that was kind of our our, our culinary colonization getting adapted to bleach flour, getting adapted to processed foods, but then, you know, things like fry bread, spam. And the other thing, too, that I was thinking about that, you know, the, the show The Reservation Dogs, we spoke about that briefly in one of our older episodes that uh, it really introduced this concept of meat pies to, to uh, a <laughs> conversation because out here in Munkapi we do refer to them as meat pies. If you don't know what meat pies are, they're these very delicious bread that's cooked with sikwi on the inside. Usually it's ground hamburger or some type of flavorful meat that usually has uh, some sort of tzili that's kind of incorporated with it and adds flavor to it. But I guess out on uh, the larger part of Hopi, they refer to them as chili bread.
2: Yeah. So there yeah. was a
1: lot of folks on Facebook asking, what's meat pies? Like, what, what do you mean what's meat pies? Meat pies are good. <laughs> Everybody knows what meat pies are.
2: Yeah, exactly. And
1: insert okay. Carl's Navajo moon Puppy joke right now.
2: Yeah, you know, uh you Muncuppies are weird. You guys have like weird <laughs> names for different, you know, common things. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> meat pie. I never it, heard it, of it, meat it refers- pie before.
1: And 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 I'm I'm glad that you said that, Carl, because you know this was kind of a thought I had and you know we, we got this special guest on. This is kind of a, a Carl and J-Man 101 lesson. Just because Carl hasn't heard of something that, that doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that it's not something that's a reality. Because as I and the listeners have learned that Carl is the definition of the kid that grew up living in a barn. And so you've heard that expression said before. And so, you know, Carl, I don't even know if you're even a real res guy. Because I, I think you you probably grew up inside. and uh Whatever, so let you out of your little bubble and you know got to experience uh, reality that's probably when you uh got to uh, see something so
2: yeah that's probably true because um there are a lot of things that uh, I, I grew up i grew up in tuba city you know in and, and tuba city <laughs> i was very secluded to like one street and the one street was only like what uh 50 meters long and i just go back and forth and that was my exercise
1: so, so it'll probably put you on a tether and then that way, you know, 15 <laughs> feet that that was the, the length that you're allowed to, to travel outside.
2: <laughs> that is actually true. That That is very, very true. <laughs> so... But I, I guess... Oh, go ahead, Carl. Yeah, so like, you know, um, the whole idea behind Hopi foods is like how do we keep them traditional? Like, you know, um, a lot of Navajos, they're starting to uh, take our foods now like either they have like the um, what is it called the the cake the navajo cake which is basically just like what um like what what is it uh, like uh is it Kumi? No, like uh, yeah and they add raisins and they add raisins to it you know they they, they and they sell it they have like this this whole thing i seen this on facebook this is one thing that i did see on facebook is that you know um, there's this guy there's this guy that says, like, you know, I'll, I'm going to be making hope, uh, Navajo cake, and you know, it shows like a pit and stuff like that. So put your orders in, and um, you know, put your orders in, and we're, I'm going to be making Navajo cake, and and uh, uh, I'll be selling it a- at this time here and here and whatnot and stuff like that. And I'm like, it's not hope, it's like Navajo cake, and, you know, it's not, you know, it, it uh, it's weird because that that's the that's the thing that you, you know, I never heard of Navajo cake when I was growing up. Like you know, as a kid, you never heard of Navajo cake. And now as like and an adult, did, you're you're hearing that. You're hearing that everywhere. Did, did you
1: did you see the controversy? I don't I, it must have been at least two years ago during the Navajo Nation pageant, I guess, you know, like they have the Miss Miss Navajo, but one of the contestants cause I, I don't I don't know what, what, what categories or what type of um um contests that they had, but one of them it must have been like cooking Uh, traditional foods because one of the girls, she tried to make biki. And Uh I think that there was a picture of the girl that was going to make biki and she had an offset spatula with her trying to make the peaky and that got all the hopis uh in in a frenzy and you know there was a big uproar there was a thousand dollar thousand signatures on paper sent to president nez and you know tried to get the federal government involved and things like that but it's it's interesting though because then you know like i i guess as far as your comment goes that you know like because Our neighbors, as far as tribes go, you know, primarily it's Navajo. But then yet you have like uh, Apaches, uh, Yotzis, Paiutis, Kouninam, all these different tribes. But none of them really have anything that's kind of similar as far as foods to us. But really, it's been the Navajos in recent times that have come up with foods that are very similar to ours. Like you mentioned, the Navajo cake and then the Navajo crap.
2: Okay, looks like we lost him a bit. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break for our paid sponsors.
1: Kwanviyoma Law, PLLC, is 100% native-owned and operated, founded by Varen Kwanviyoma. Their practice areas include corporate law, business transactions, finance, economic development, gaming, casino development, online gaming, real estate, environmental permitting and approvals, telecommunications, government affairs, employment and labor relations, historic preservation and cultural resources, and energy. Kwanviyoma Law is committed to making positive and lasting change in our communities as they support nonprofit volunteering community activism, and employing Indian preference in hiring and vendor relations. Terraform Development is a Navajo and Hopi-owned engineering, architectural, and project management firm located in northern Arizona. The company has full-time staff and comprises of Navajo and Hopi employees. Terraform services include civil engineering, residential design, drone mapping, and project management on projects for your need. Terraform is a priority one Navajo certified business and Hopi business license certified. Contact Terraform Development at T-E-R-R-A the number four O R M and follow them on Instagram at Terraform Development. And we're back from commercial. And I guess I am back on the episode. And since Carl controls the back end, I was still ranting and raving for about five minutes. But I, I guess, you know, real quick before we introduce our guest is that you know I guess from a hopi from Hopi eyes, you know, we do see a lot of what we consider Hopi. But then, you know, if you were to ask uh the, the Navajos, I'm pretty sure that they consider that Navajo and to use a phrase that you like to use in time immemorial, but like that, like you see the Navajo cakes, you see the Navajo blue corn tamales, and uh, pretty soon there's gonna be Navajo Hopi cookies, which I'm pretty sure are are already a thing. But in addition to that, you know, one of the other things, too, that I've uh, always thought about is this idea of contemporary indigenous cuisine. And basically, to me, what that is, is that, you know, you basically take some uh, blue blue cornmeal and then you just dust it over everything like hot sauce. And then all of a sudden it indigenizes <laughs> everything. And so but I, I guess, you know, really, we're here to kind of talk more uh, in, inclusively or I'm sorry, exclusively about Hopi Foods. And so
2: I guess now's a good time to bring on our guest. All right. Well, let's go ahead and bring on our guest here. Uh, Please welcome Jessica Anse to the podcast.
0: Hello, hello to my two favorite sweethearts. I'm so glad to be here.
2: Oh, yeah. We're glad to be here, too. She, she, or I'm glad to be here. She just says that to you, Carl, just
1: because she's sitting next to you and to be nice. But truthfully, she, she doesn't <laughs> want to make you cry either.
0: I love you both equally. So let's be nice. Okay. <laughs>
2: she's just saying that it's because so uh, she's just saying that because you're on the other end. And uh, we talk bad about you on uh, when we're off the podcast. So.
0: No, no, no! More more,
2: hey, more, no. More, 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 more like you and that
1: ugly guy that lives at that house too. So, <laughs>
0: hey, that's number one there. Sorry. <laughs>
2: yeah, she said number
0: one too,
1: and, and so. so so, so, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. And just a, a side note to the listeners, so that they can get on the inside of the inside joke, is that Jessica is our kea, both Carl and Ice kea, but uh, she uh, loves me more. But uh, while she's here, Jessica, why don't you, uh, I guess, introduce yourself? Tell us uh, your well, your, we already know your name, but where you're from and a little bit, a little bit more about yourself, whatever you like to share.
0: Yeah. Um, so I am Tuwungwa. A snake clan from the village of Munkape. Um, gosh, I don't know, I've never really. Do, do, your,
2: do your Miss Hopi oh, speech. Gosh. Go oh, ahead, she was please. Miss Hopi, oh, yeah. uh, back in 2012, 2013, I believe.
0: A long time ago, it feels like hundreds of years ago, honestly.
2: Go ahead and do your Miss Hopi pageant thing.
0: Oh my gosh, um, <laughs> way to put me on the spot. I here. know,
2: right? Um,
0: um uh, no
2: okay, keep going. You're doing good. <laughs> Encourage them girls out there.
0: <laughs> she's
2: uh, she's trying to figure out the words what we what she said during the pageant time. I mean, like oh, twenty thirteen wow. was what ten years ago, almost ten about twenty, ten years 10, ago. 10. Yeah.
1: Ten, ten, 10 years ago, I was going to try to help you and add on and say, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was Miss Hopi back in 2005. 2005? Oh my God. Oh, that's more than I, I thought ago. it
2: was like 2013. Where was I in 2013?
0: Yeah, you got that wrong.
2: Oh, okay. So, correction was 2005, which was close to like 15, seven, what, 17, 18 years ago.
0: A long time ago, yes. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> and, and so, Jessica,
1: now you're, you're a mother, you're a wife, and uh, you live on the reservation. And you've had that full res experience, I suppose. And, you know, because I, I think that one of the big themes, themes of our podcast is that, you know, as far as Hopi goes, at least that culture, language... And even things like Arnova, the strength of it is on the reservation. The strength of it is within our villages. And the fact that you grew up here uh, and, you know, us particularly talking about foods. Um, what is your favorite Hopi foods?
0: My favorite Hopi foods is somiviki. Um, my kids love that too. Bikame um, is my favorite. And Bavellvicky.
2: Yeah, um, my favorite Hofi foods are uh, pizza, burgers, and hot wings. I'm I'm pretty sure like all Hopis love that. So. I I didn't
1: ask you, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, ask and, me that. And for <laughs> and and I guess you know because. Uh, for, for the listeners that might not be familiar, Jessica, uh, if you could describe what those foods are, somiviki, uh, I think you said piki.
0: Yeah, um, somiviki is the blue, the blue sweet corn tamales. Um, that's one of the very first foods that I learned how to make growing up as a little girl. Um, my mother was the one that taught me how to make that. And of course... All the women in my family no. took part in making that Um is the um, pudding, the brown um, pudding, which you guys were earlier referring to as Navajo cake.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: but we do not put raisins in it.
2: <laughs>
0: and then Baville Biki is the blue marbles.
2: Blue marbles like um, like actual marbles
0: yep <laughs>
2: <laughs> so what is, what is the blue marbles made out of
0: it is made out of the sequet Um it's rolled into balls and boiled
2: <laughs> so basically uh, blue balls
0: basically
2: <laughs> blue balls and boiled
1: basically that sounds blue, blue good blue balls and you know, Carl you Hall and I, we kind of had this dialogue before we, we started, uh, we before we brought you on. And it's funny because at least, you know, when we think of this idea of what traditional food is, at least as far as Hopi's concerned, that a majority of it is made from some sort of corn. And so you mentioned sakwap which is uh, blue uh, cornmeal. And then a lot of the other foods like somiviki, uh, that's also made from sakwap and a lot of the majority of foods that we've been is also something that's primarily made of corn. And so when I think about this idea of traditional foods, that a lot of it is our own nutwani, our fresh produce that comes from the fields, or it's other things that are harvested or gathered, hunted in our local lands. And it's kind of funny to me because you know I recently got back from a vacation, and um, the res famous wife, her and one of my daughters, they went to the farmers market and they came back with uh, some some juices, juices that was uh, made from vegetables, different vegetables and fruits, and we drink it, and you know because it's something that we're not used to consuming. We're used to drinking pop. We're used to drinking juice and things like that and I laughed and I thought you know only in America where you would get sick from drinking or eating something that's fresh because we're more accustomed to grease we're more accustomed to salt we're more accustomed to processed, which includes some of those foods that we talked about we talked about the fry bread we talked about the meat pies and you know a lot of that is more dominant on our kitchen tables even in our villages but Jessica being a Hopi woman can you tell the listeners or the 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 listeners at home how much effort and time as a Hopi woman year-round goes into cooking and who are you cooking for
0: well I spend about four hours out of my day cooking meals um Preparing them and then cooking them. Um, Hopi foods obviously take more time, more effort. Um, It's a long process starting from, you know, coming off of the the corn cob, then going into the flour um, and then the cooking process. And that takes hours, days at most. So the women, put a lot of time and effort into the foods that are being made and they get eaten in like what minutes (laughs) when it's a day's work worth of process so um growing up you know we are taught to take care of your families take care of your husbands your children to prepare these foods for them and you know growing up we are taught these traditional cookery but in reality, we don't really cook these foods all that often. The only times that we do are during, you know, ceremonial pro- um, ceremonial activities or special events that are happening. And then a lot of the time, yeah, we do um, cook the processed foods or the canned foods. So, uh, you know, a lot of that time goes into to cooking to provide nourishment for our families. So it's a lot of work um you women out there hopi women you know they are definitely the role models of um everybody out there Um, it's a lot of work that goes into cooking
2: you know um the traditional foods that are always cooked it's um always cooked by urban urban hopis for the uh so a lot of the times that we uh you know, we, we like to show off our culture. So a lot of the urban Hopis out there and along with uh, Sitta, uh he likes to show off his cooking, Hopi cooking skills. Uh, so to the Pahanas. So that's pretty much it. You must
1: be one of those Rez Hopis, Carl, that likes to interject unnecessary comments just because you want to talk.
2: <laughs> you, you must be a, a real uh, urban Hopi. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and, and so, so Jessica, you kind of touched upon it a little bit, but can you talk about growing up from being a child and then I guess as a child kind of learning, seeing maybe your moms, your soos, your kyaas, older sisters, kind of, uh, I guess your early educations as far as cooking goes and what important things that you learn as far as life lessons?
0: Yeah, um, I'm the youngest of um, three I have two older sisters So I did grow up watching, you know, them um, cook some of these foods My mother obviously was one of my main teachers Growing up, my So'o, my bella Vela So'o um, Was also an important figure in my life As well as my um, late So'o Rita um, She was always, you know, taking us to weddings and Um, different things so early on you know I got to experience a lot of those Um, those events and learning how to cook all of these foods and at that time I didn't really you know I didn't really I I just went along with them you know they said hey you got to go here so you just kind of get thrown into you know working side by side with other um your guests yeah your guests your souls your sisters um and you just kind of watch and learn nobody really at that time really said hey this is how you prepare this you know it was a lot of visual learning for me when i was young and then even to this day um it was a lot of visual learning and just watching them but now you know um especially before i you know had When I went through my Hopi waiting, I really asked a lot of questions as to like why we do this or how, you know, we make these certain foods, you know, just to be prepared. And, you know, a lot of it was just um, we don't do measuring. We don't measure things out, just kind of eyeball it, you know. So it's just kind of like you just put this much in, handful of this, handful of that. So, you know, everything's done by the handful, I guess. And so um, yeah, there's really no solid measurement or measuring tool that we use in our cookery.
2: Yeah, she's a real uh, res hopi out here and uh, J-man. He uses a, a cup that has little numbers on there, uh, trying to <laughs> measure out measure out his uh, flour for uh, fry bread. I remember that when I, during the cooking episode, <laughs> it was to the T. I'm pretty sure he had like a recipe.
1: Some of us have to measure out our life. But another question that I I wanted to ask you, Jessica, is because we are, it's spring, it's springtime right now. I think that yesterday was the first day of spring and we're coming up to what we like to call the farming season season. And uh, that guy sitting next to you, Carl, claims to be a farmer, but uh, I have yet to see it. I think that the rest of the world has yet to see that. And uh, that man that you're married to, I, I don't know if he's a farmer or not. My, my guess would be no. But uh, I, there's probably farmers in your life that aren't Carl or your husband. And because, you know, I guess when it comes to farming, that, you know, the, the conversation dominantly is by men because we are the primary farmers But women do play a large role in the farming process. And a lot of that is the preparation of our seeds and even smaller gardens that are located outside of the villages. And so, Jessica, if you can kind of speak to what the women's role is when it comes to our farming season.
0: Yeah, um, I was always taught, you know, to help prepare the seeds for, you know, my dad. Um, He was the sole farmer growing up um because he had nothing but girls um so we would shell the seeds um get them prepared for him and um with my experience because my dad only had girls we were down there with him um planting and you know doing all the farming stuff um from seed from shelling the seed to putting the seeds in the ground to going down there and hoeing weeds and to the final process of harvesting and, um, with him, you know, that was my experience growing up. And, you know, um, we in Hopi, you know, they say that, you know, the field is the man's, the man's area, you know, he's, once the seeds are put in the ground, he's the one that's supposed to be, you know, tending to the corn. And then once he brings the harvest home, that becomes the woman's role, the women take care of it and it becomes, you know, hers. Um, But I was fortunate enough to, you know, um, grow up learning the whole process, learning everything from start to finish. And, you know, that kind of um, made me more grateful and more appreciative to, you know, all the work that goes into it. So when we do prepare these foods, at any time, you know, we try not to waste it because it is a lot of hard work. And, you know, I praise my dad. Um, he still is a, a dry farmer out here in Holtvella. And and my husband, he is a farmer. Um, he does provide for me um, every single year. So I'm definitely appreciative of all his hard work. Um, he did do dry farming for a bit. Um, so but now we are... Um, planting down at Munkabi, which is, has been, um, good for us to get some harvests in. Um, but yeah, you know, the two main men in my life, my dad and my husband, you know, I, it's a lot of work, but once it comes into the home, you know, it becomes mine and my, my daughter, my six-year-old daughter, you know, we, we're the ones that prepare for the food. So now I'm the one, you know, in that teaching role, um, teaching her, how to prepare these foods so i want her to be knowledgeable and know know the process and um, yeah i think all hopi men you know that provide for their families um, the uyi that they bring home is um, one that we should all be grateful for
2: yeah you did know, you that's hear that
1: interesting that it's a, a common uh, a commonality for families that have not a lot of men folk that the women end up are the ones that go down there to help plant. It's, it's a shame that your father didn't have nephews uh, like Carl to help plant. And so you know, if your dad has nephews, they're probably lazy guys and uh, busy sitting underneath corn plants drinking the water <laughs> while everyone else does
2: the work. Before I was rudely interrupted, <laughs> I was going to say. I was gonna say, did you uh, did you hear her? She said, "Real men have fields, and not urban Hopis like uh, Sita, so <laughs> who have gardens in their in their front lawn. <laughs> <laughs> you only water it when the when time comes, and just turn on the sprinklers." standing in your standing in your short to just uh, spray the water hose and then go back inside
1: <laughs> well Carl if you ever learn how hard farming is come call me and then we'll we'll talk about it but until then uh, stay comfortable under your big corn plant drinking all the water and uh, and I, I guess you know kind of one of the things that I kind of wanted to talk about is because I I I feel like that in this day and age, and Carl and I, we kind of talked about it to an extent in our last episode at the very end of that episode, is that we are living in a different age now. We're living in an age of uh, inclusivity, which means that everybody is welcome. Uh, we're living in a society where there's no genders anymore. Men can wear Uh, dresses ladies wear pants and men can do what women do and women can do what men do and you know I I think that I, I guess I'm not trying to say that I'm against it but what I think about when I hear that type of conversation I think about our culture I think about our own Hopi ideas of what gender roles are why men belong in the places that they belong in why women belong in the places that they belong to Uh, and so uh, jessica if you can kind of talk about the importances from a woman's perspective because carl and i have definitely shared the ideas of the male perspective on gender roles within our society but if you can kind of share what your ideas Are or at least what your perspectives are in the importance of these roles that are given to women within our villages.
0: Yeah, um, you know, I was taught, you know, the women are the caretakers of the family. They're the ones that take care of the children, their husbands, you know, anybody that's, you know, in their home. You know, anybody that comes to visit, we will prepare a meal for them. We will make sure that they are taken care of. Um, you know, it's, um, basically our role is to be home. Um, the woman, the main woman's role. Um, gosh, I, I was never really, um, brought up, you know, to be like, Hey, you stay in the home, you know, while the man works and I'll bring home the money. And, you know, I, my parents were never really, um, they never really told me, you know, this is your role and you have to live by it. Um, so I, but I do understand, you know, the older, old, older days, you know, that's how it was. You know, the men worked and the women stayed home. But now we're in a culture where the women um, sometimes make more than the men. You know, they're out there working and sometimes the men are staying home and, um I guess in my situation, you know, I I chose to stay home and raise my kids and homeschool them, and you know, because this is the only time that I get with them when they're this small. So, um, I'm more than grateful to have a husband that will provide for us, where where I can just be home with them and provide everything they need for them when they're this young, because they don't stay this young forever. I mean, they get grow up and they move on with their lives and become adults and I don't get that time back with them. So, um, yeah, I see the, the difference in, you know, um, how the women, you know, are perceived to be home and be stay at home moms or, um, just be the main, um, matriarch and just, um, provide for the family.
2: Good points. I like that. I, I really do. I really like that. Carl Carl
1: likes a woman that stays at home. That's why he's expressed his, uh, caveman ideology several times in several of these episodes. So,
2: yeah, that's that's probably true. Yeah, that's the reason why I like that. (laughs) (laughs) I believe that women. I I believe I believe that women, uh, you know, Hopi women, should have a a bigger role in like, uh, yeah, uh, staying true to their hopi side of things like you know wearing dresses and and uh you know doing making somiviki all day beaky you know those are the things those are the things that what hopi's missing
1: (laughs) there there was this uh big controversy on social media very recently uh one of the contemporary hopi artists he uh shared a design it was uh of one of, I, I don't know what they call those dresses, but they're, they're the dresses that the ladies wear. They're white, they have the inverted triangle. There's two of them that are stacked up on, on each side. They look like that bikana that some of those katinas wear, but uh, they they use the design and they made leggings. And somebody made the comment and they said that this is for all you ladies that don't like to wear dresses down in the kiva. <laughs>
2: Oh, oh! I, I, think, I, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, there was that big controversy about uh, those. Uh, what was it called? The jeggings? What was it called jegging leggings? I don't know what they're or called. Or
1: tights were they tights? Yeah, Maybe the, they the were tights.
2: tights. Uh, what were they? The yoga pants. I think they were like yoga pants. The
1: yoga pants. Yeah,
2: the yoga and pants, they had. But, but we did Yeah, they had that design. Um, that the e the e design on there. That co di okay. design. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and uh, I I believe he's from Munkabi too. I, a lot of the controversy always comes from Munkabi <laughs> for some reason. I don't know why, but a lot of that comes from Munkabi.
1: He's from from the upper village. They they like to get down <laughs> like that. <so.
2: laughs> all you Munkabis are the same, lower and upper. So you're all considered one. one- <laughs>
1: Well, you might one might think that when you have your head in the ground, and I, I know that that's the type of person that you are, and there's a lot of you like you out out there in Hopi. So, but if I if I can direct the the conversation back to what the topic of the episode is, back to our our foods, and uh, I guess you know because one of the one of the points that a lot of folks make, because then you know when it comes to like ceremonies, that when it comes to certain ceremonies, that the men kind of dominate the whole thing as far as participation goes but one of the biggest comments that you hear often is that we can't have these ceremonies without women we can't have these ceremonies without our women cooking for us because that there are certain aspects of that where women are are Nakway, I guess making, you know, bringing food to the kiva for the men to eat. And so, you know, if Jessica kind of commenting and Carl, too, you can kind of give your perspective. And I guess that would really kind of fall into this idea of importance of retaining our traditional foods, because we mentioned that, you know, our traditional foods that they're not consumed on the daily anymore like they used to but rather more so only during special occasions during ceremony but like the importance of keeping that tradition going because uh in this season carl and i we did talk about we talked about uh one particular hopi dish we talked about har and that you know that's something that's specific to Pawomuya and in order to have haru that we need our ladies to be able to cook it so if you can kind of give your commentary on the importance of maintaining our traditional foods and people for them to learn how to cook it
0: i think the importance of retaining you know our traditional foods is you know a lot of the ceremonies that we partake in um yeah you had spoke on it earlier the women prepare the food um in some certain ceremonies there's a specific type of food that you need to cook or provide and you know um the knowledge of cooking those foods is a process and um, a lot of the women you know um have that knowledge of preparing those foods so we need to be you know um inclusive and you know share that knowledge with you know the younger women the younger girls so they can carry that on we want to try to keep true you know to our you know traditional cookery our traditional ways of preparing those foods um like i said earlier you know um growing up i i they weren't really you know they never really told us like you know this goes in that goes in you know we just kind of watched or I watched um, but now getting older you know I was the one that asked the questions okay so what else do you put in there what goes in there so you know um, I I kind of had to be assertive in in my ways of learning um, because I I catch myself doing it too with my daughter, Um, you know, when I'm making cookies or something, like I just want to get it done, you know, the quickest way possible. I just want to get, you know, the cookies done or, you know, the bread done and she's there trying to help me, but, you know, I'm, you know, in a hurry timeline, crunch or whatever. So, you know, I think that's how us women are. We kind of, if we know how to do it, we just want to do it and we do it our way and we want to do it the fastest way possible. Um, so I, I catch myself doing that too, you know, not really explaining to my daughter, you know, what goes into a recipe or, you know, so I think we need to take the time to, you know, teach that, you know, to be more, um, I guess, transparent with what goes into our food so we know and we can carry on those traditions.
2: Yeah, that's, that's actually a good point because, um, a lot of girls out here when they start to cook like their, their Hopi traditional foods, it's it's difficult for them because nobody has taught them or nobody has shown them how to really do it. I mean they they, they have the the knowledge to to know what goes in there, like uh, for somiviki, it's like you know, blue blue cornmeal. But then what else goes in there? You know, then it, how how long are you supposed to boil the water or how long are you supposed to mix it? You know, all those little details in there and nobody really shows them or no one really Nobody really teaches them. They just kind of learn through like observing, but you then you know they get lost in the translation of how how it really goes on. And yeah, that that is a very good point. You know, trying to trying to just slow down and teach uh, someone, especially like your daughter, or teach your your niece, or teach you know teach a, just another young girl how to cook, hopefully traditional foods. And that's like that's like the missing key, I guess. I guess you know, the missing part. Is is the knowledge that is is going to be passed down uh, from generation to generation in order for a lot of Hopi foods to keep to keep going? I guess
1: that that's a good point. And uh, I, I another thought that I had as far as cooking goes, because at least from from my observation, I feel that at least from what I've seen is that cooking kind of helps bring the family together in one particular dish is that when the the ladies are making sumiviki, when ladies are making sumiviki particularly for like a night dance, for when the the young girls who are initiated but aren't married yet when they're gonna go down to the giva to inita that I always see several generations of women. You have soos, you have mothers and then you have the daughters all preparing the sumiviki together that they're all putting it into the silakbu and then tying it up together um what what fond memories of that do you have jessica
0: um honestly i didn't really have a whole lot of help when i was going through that stage in my life um it was just me and one of my older sisters and my mom um, we kind of just did everything, um, because we, um, did a, most of everything here in Holtbella. We didn't do a whole lot, um, of things in Munkabi where most of my, you know, my clan moms and my sisters are. So we didn't really gather as much there. I'm, um, sadly, that was my experience. It was just my sister, Carrie, and my mom, um, that did a lot of the sume viki making or the lemon making. Um, and then sometimes my soul would come over, my whole Vela soul. Um, so, but yeah, that definitely did bring us together. It, it was a long time, a long, a long process to do, you know, to make the little um, sume vikis, um, especially out here in Hote we had six kivas. So um, doing it for that amount, you know, it did take a lot of time. But yeah, sadly, that was my experience. It was kind of, we, we kind of did it in a small group. Um, I do see, you know, nowadays, a lot of the girls or the young ladies, you know, gathering and doing sumiviki parties and getting together with all their clan sisters and, you know, everybody. And, you know, I kind of envy that, you know, we didn't really have a big family or a bunch of girls um, to help. So, um, yeah, that was my experience.
2: Yeah, those are great memories and great uh, experiences, especially when the because you know the, a lot of the girls do that, a lot of Hopi girls do that. Inita, and it's like their time to shine because they have their somiviki or they have their what is it, uh, me um, and uh, you know those little things, and, and you know those are the things that that are traditional to the Hopi girls itself and to Hopi cookery. And those are the things that uh, a lot of the, um, a lot of, I guess we kind of take that for granted at some points is where we, we just don't really understand because it's always been there. You know, it's always, it's always part of tradition that we can just kind of uh, let it slide. And so a lot of the things like that, and especially when you're, when you're really dealing with uh, Hopi cooking, you know, it's, those are the things that just kind of just, we, we just goes overhead and not knowing that those are the most important things that we should be preserving. So I think that we should preserve a lot of that, just not take it for granted.
1: That, that, so, so, so finally, Carl, some, some good words from you on, on this particular episode, but Jessica, that, that's a, a good point. And I, I think that we often forget that each family is different, that everybody's experience is different, that you have women that have lived their whole lives out here on Hopi and for some reason that they just never had the chance to be taught how to make biki or sumiviki or other types of foods. And unfortunately, you know, it usually has to do with some sort of family dynamic as to the reasons As to why that that reality is But uh, before we go Jessica, if you have any parting words For for the listeners As far as it relates to Nova Or any encouraging words To some of the young girls Our young Hopi girls That are out there listening to this
0: Yeah, definitely Um, One of the main things I would like to um, make a point about Is to teach your girls You know, to include them in the kitchen Um Yeah, I I try to do that with my daughter every day, Um, cook with her, bake with her, um, just to make sure that she feels included and she knows, you know, how to do um, certain things. And, you know, cherish your moms and cherish your sisters, your family, your clan relatives that are there to help you. You know, they're the ones that, you know, you will rely on when things happen, certain ceremonies that will happen um, experiences that you'll go through growing up as a Hopi woman or Hopi young lady um, Those ladies, they will be there for you um, So, you know, treat them well, respect them um, Learn from them as much as you can Especially, you know, our elders, our elder women um, I'm glad I got, you know, the chance to learn some things from my Sol. Um, and then i'm so grateful to have my hombella anse saol here that is teaching my daughter things so take you know cherish cherish the women's in your lives and respect them
2: perfect perfect i love it it's like the it's like the miss hopi pageant all over again and i love that you know i'm pretty sure i'll vote for you when the next miss miss hopi comes around
1: Uh, Jessica actually I light I do have one more question to ask do you prefer tall and handsome J-man or light
2: and thick Carl or buff buff and hopey looking Carl (laughs)
0: That is not a fair question, you, and you guys know that. You,
1: I was going to say, you, you don't have to answer that on air and embarrass Carl. You you can uh, DM your answer to me, and, and I'll screenshot it, and I'll send it to Carl so that he'll cry at night when uh, the answer is J-Man. But uh, I, I guess it's uh, time to close out, Carl.
2: Oh, yeah, it is. It's time. And, you, you know, if you got this far in the episode, you know, it, it's a very long episode, but it, it is a very exciting episode, I must say that, so... A lot of knowledge was passed down because I, I never heard that side of the, the story or heard that side of perspective, especially from a Hopi woman like that. So if you guys want to donate something, uh, go to anchor.fm slash cjpodcast to donate uh, you know, $4.99 or $9.99. Uh, and it's only like that for you know several months or if you want to do, do it a little bit more. Or if you want to just donate a dollar or more, go to... Uh, buymeacoffee.com slash cjpodcast 85 to donate $1 or more.
1: And I'd like to thank our special guest, our sweetheart Jessica, and we'd like to thank all the listeners for continuing to support us. Carl was uh, extra toxic today. I, I think you've been listening to uh, those those YAF boys a, l- a little bit too much. I, I think that they've kind of poisoned your, your brain a little bit. But uh, if you're not following us on our social medias, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Carl and J-Man. If you're listening to this on YouTube, and I really hope that you are listening to this on YouTube because I recently discovered that there are several episodes missing from YouTube. And so I'm going to have to crack the whip oh, yeah, that's right. on uh, the person that's responsible for uploading that to YouTube. And so I'll definitely get on him to make sure that that is happening. And if you happen to be listening to this on Apple Podcast, don't forget to leave us a five star review. And if you have left us, a five-star review i'd like to thank you for the kind words that there were some really nice reviews left by our podcast and we really appreciate it and if uh, you're listening to this on anything other than spotify go ahead and listen to it again a second time on spotify because spotify is also a sponsor of the podcast and uh,
2: that's it all right don't worry gang we are going to be back in the studio next week so uh, along with that um Thank you for listening to Carl and J-Man's Save the World podcast. My name is Carl, and this is my best friend, J-Man. So long, quack, quick.